This is our fourth segment on Edein Tzaf, on godliness. And in the last couple of segments, I have allowed myself to use the discussion on Edein Tzaf not to strictly explain the mysticism and the philosophy of Edein Tzaf, but to explain the significance and the meaning and the value and the relevance of Edein Tzaf to our lives as Jews and the servants of Hashem, to our Torah mitzvahs and Avedis Hashem. In the previous segment, I used this circumstance to talk about I want to continue in this segment with other examples where the fact that in Kabbalah there is a concept of godliness altogether changes the significance and the meaning of our practice of Tehidah Mitzvahs. And that has to do with the names of Hashem, with the divine names. We all know that God has more than one name. Right? Halachically, Hashem has seven names. Kabbalistically, Hashem has ten names. And these are all proper names, names that are specific to Hashem, to God. Because there are innumerable words that are allusions to God, but they're not allusions to God in a very specific way, like the word Ani, or Anoichi, or Ata, or Hu. And therefore, they're halachically not in the category of Shemesh, She'en, and Chokim. They're not in the category of words in the Tanakh or in the Sefer Teda that you're not allowed to erase. Because although they may mean maybe a reference to him in a particular context, but because they're not actually his names, you can erase them and you can rewrite them and so on. And of course, the million dollar question is why does God have so many names? What's wrong with having only one name? And in typical Jewish fashion, the answer to the question of why God has so many names is, how could God have a single name? He should really be nameless. And of course, the reason why God should be nameless is because a name is a description. A name is a title. A name defines, describes and defines. The Holy Baal Shem Tev teaches, and the Alter Rebbe makes a very big deal out of it, and the Tanya and the Rebbe has made a big, 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 big deal out of this in all of his Torah, and all of his Sikhs, and all of his Maimorim, and all of his letters, that Shmoya Kodesh, the name of any item, of anything in Loshna Kodesh, is the energy, is the vibrancy, is the vitality, is the definition of each creation. Like the Rebbe brings from the Madrish, and the Torah of the Mazisha Magid, that all the Mazishim were smart of the Malachim, because they're able to identify the names of the animals, based on the characteristics that he saw. And the Torah says, was right. All the names he gave to the various different animals turned out to be true, because his Chochmah was so cute, he could look at a physical animal and know the Hebrew letters that sustain it. Because the names of each creation are not just means by which we identify them, they actually are the vibrancy, they're the life of that particular creation. Which leads us to the question, how could HaKadosh Baruch have a name? A name has to be a definition. How do you define a being that by definition doesn't have any definition? And of course, the Medrash answers this question by saying, that the names of Hashem don't reflect Him, 
The names of Hashem reflect him as he's relating to the world through a particular action. When he's a Melech Molerachmim, he's called Havaye. When he's Ishmochama, he's called Svois. And so on. The names of Hashem are not defining him per se. The names of Hashem are defining him in his relationship with the creation. Now, the Shem Havaya Yudke Vavke may be a little bit different than the other names as far as this is concerned. It's called the Shem Etzem, Shem HaMafurish, Shem HaMayuchad. But we're not going into the particular names at the moment. We're going to do that when we get to each one of these names, Blineder, uh, in this glossary, assuming that we have Sayata Deshmaya going on and everything is dependent on Sayata Deshmaya. On Sayata Deshmaya is Kein Zach so what does it mean, what does it mean that the names of Hashem are defining an action? And again, a huge difference emerges between how you understand this in philosophy and how you understand this in Kabbalah. In philosophy, means all the names of Hashem are references to Him. But when He does an action in the world, which we call in our culture a nifal, the effect that affects the world, that looks like war, we call Him Tzvayis. When he does an action in the world, which looks like Rachamim, we call him Havaya, and so on. Everything that happens in the world is done directly by God, and the various names are not defining him very specifically. They're defining the evidence of him, the clue. When you see in the world a phenomenon which looks like supernal rachamim, you call him avaya. When you see in the world which looks like supernal intensity, you call him gvura alikim. When you see in the world with what looks like war, you call him tzvayis, and so on. So in philosophy, the names of Hashem are all referring to Him based on the effect that you see in the world. But in Kabbalah, there's something called esesfidus. Esesphiris is godliness. Esesphiris is godly light. Esesphiris is godliness, which is our topic. And the Esesphiris exists before he acts. Before Hashem does compassion, he has compassion, the way Ein Seif is in Rachamim. Before Hashem does exactitude, he has exactitude, the way Ein Seif is in Gvura. And before Hashem engages in what we would call war, there already is the notion of victory in the, in the divine, which is the way godliness, the way lakus, is manifest in Midas HaNetzach, which is called Tzvois, and so on. So the names of Hashem don't only define our observation of His actions, they actually define His Midas, they actually define that in godliness, not in God, but in godliness there are ten Sfiris, there are ten Midas. And the names of Hashem are references define the godliness of the ten Sfiris and the ten Midas. So in Kabbalah, when you speak about the names of Hashem and you understand that the names of Hashem are defining various actions that He does in relationship with the world, the name of God Almighty is not only in relationship to what we observe, which is called the Nifal. The name of God Almighty is also defining the Pula, the idea that in, in, in the realms of godliness, not the realms of God, there's no realms of God, right? In the, in the levels of the divine, in Atsilus, the various Mides have those names even if they're not engaging with the world. Just by themselves, the Mides and the Sfiris of Alakus 
have godliness inside them. The godliness inside the various Midas has these different names. So the names of Hashem are not only relating to what reaches us from Him, the names of Hashem are relating to how His godliness is manifest in the vessels of Atzilus. Forgive me, I want to repeat this a second time. I just want to repeat this again in short words. In philosophy, you can only attribute the names of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the Nifal, to the effect of these various Midas. And in Kabbalah, you can attribute the names of Hashem to the Pu'ula. That means to the character trait itself, the Toyarim themselves, which is a reference to the vessels of Atzilas that have the divine light inside of themselves, that have the godliness inside of themselves, the godliness of the vessels, the godliness inside the vessels. These are the names of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Which leads me to another point, which is discussed in the Tzemach Tzedek's Sherish Mitzat and I might as well say this here, that the first 15 or 16 Prakim of the Sherish Mitzat are truly fundamental in understanding the Hashkafa of Kabbalah, about Alakus, about Godliness in general, about the names of Hashem in specific, and davening more particularly. And I'm um, just advertising this, that Rabbi Jacob Emanuel Shachat, Jacob Emanuel Shachat, who was mandated by the Rebbe to translate the Yigeres HaKodesh, Al Rebbe's letters. And then he wrote a series of essays to overview concepts in Kabbalah so that he wouldn't have to repeat himself in his notes each time he wrote an essay. Uh, and then the Rebbe named that book, Mystical Concepts in Hasidus. The Rebbe gave it the name and had it printed with the Sansino edition of the Tanya, the big Tanya that we all use in English. In that book, the ideas that I'm sharing here are found uh, rather comprehensively, and it's, from what I, my humble opinion, to a great extent, the translation of the beginning of the Sherish Mitzvah And that is the following question, that there is a great debate. This debate exists amongst mystics themselves. Forget about mystics and philosophers, amongst mystics themselves the debate exists. And the debate revolves around two statements. Both found in Chazal. One statement is, Why do Jewish people scream? And their prayers are ignored. And the answer is because they don't know the Kavana, the meditations of the divine names. And opposite that, you have the statement that says, I wish to daven to the mind of the child. I don't want to be mystical. I don't want to speak to God in his various different names that correspond to the godliness of the various different spheres. I want to have a relationship with God himself. Or to say this second idea in a much more sophisticated way, and this is a little bit uh, controversial, but for today and for now, it's fine. It's Elo Yosef. You want to talk directly to God, not to talk to the Midas of HaKadosh Baruch This phenomena of Yedim L'Chav B'Shem that if a person davens and he wants his prayers to be answered, he needs to know the kavonas, the meditations of the names of Hashem, and which prayer should relate to which name of Hashem based on the particular midah that the person is trying to access in Elokus is a true concept in Kabbalah. That knowing, like that says in the Hayyem Yeh, Medav Taka Vissen, the Derech, the Elbus Hayyem, I think this is Chof Sivin. It's, it's good to know the pathways to the heavens. And then, of course, the rest of us take this, it doesn't matter that much, and it's most important to have a, a sensitivity, a skill, in doing the Jew a favor. Um, but there is a significant idea in Kabbalah to know the meanings of the different names of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, 
and to know the kavanas, know the meditations, and to know which name of Hashem you're going to use based on the kind of prayer that you're asking. Not chas v'sholem, that you're talking to the Midas and to the Svidas. Not, God forbid, that there's many gods, but because this is the channel. This name is where godliness is manifest in this Midah. And when you need Hashem, God Almighty, which is connected to a particular Midah, you have to have the right kavan, you have to know the Shemes. Which names of Hashem are connected to which Midas and Svidas. The other opinion held that that may be true, that there's advantage in knowing the names of Hashem and what they mean and so on and so forth. But I want to speak to God as a child. This idea is very profound and very true and discussed that Hasidus speaks, of course, out of both sides of its mouth. Hasidus wants both of these things and argues that there's a place for both, there's even both at the same time. But this is certainly true, that the meanings of prayer in general and the meaning of the names of Hashem in particular, the way Kabbalah enriches them versus how these names are understood without Kabbalah is day and night. It, it can't even compare. The different names of Hashem, the way Kabbalah explains the Elokus of Sfiris, it's godliness. It's not God, it's godliness. But godliness is Dveikas. Godliness has no identity other than that it's expression of Hashem. And the names of Elokus, the names represent the way the godliness comes to the world. And uh, in Kabbalah, knowing the Kavanis, knowing the meditations, and what names of Hashem to use and all the rest, is a very meaningful and rich part of Avodah Hashem. And the idea of that the different names of Hashem correspond to different Mides is not simply the way we see what Hashem gives the world, but it's actually the way godliness is manifest first in the higher worlds and then from the higher world how it's manifest in this world. In concluding this segment, I want to just say two things. Number one, it's interesting to note that the Tzemach Tzedek says something very radical. That the Baal Shem Tev of all people said not to study Kabbalah because he's afraid that the conversation we just had about knowing the names of God and that the names of God are connected to godliness and they're manifest in different spheres creates a very, very complicated some people call it sophisticated, other people call it complicated, they're both true, involvement with God and godliness. And there's the, always the fear that if you understand these things incorrectly, it's literally borderline of a desire. It's shniyas, it's like making divisions in the place where unity is the most important thing in the world. So the Baal Shem Tev actually said, don't do it. Now, people involved in Pnei Torah, Kabbalah, Hasidis, wonder, the Baal Shem Tev was the master of Kabbalah, and yet he says, so I don't think this question needs an answer. This question needs simply to be, this, the idea needs simply to be pointed out. When we talk about the names of Hashem and the idea that the names of Hashem are connected to the Midas and the Sfiris, it's very important to appreciate that chas v'sholom, chalil v'chas, it should be misconstrued in any way, shape or form as lack of unity. And so much of what Hasidus does is to try and reconcile the idea of Tayarim, of Shemes, and how at the same time it's all Ein Ein it's all one. And the second thing I want to mention, and this I already touched on before, I'm just repeating it again, that Hasidus does say that L'chavim B'Shem, 
the knowing the meditation of the divine names is when we're relating to godliness as it's in the Inatzilas. When a person is able to raise himself higher than that, in moments of tshuva, moments of mesiras nefesh, extreme moments, then there is the idea of Eilav Aleilamidesa. We relate directly to God and we don't relate to godliness as it's connected to the names. This is a much, much higher Indian. Um, to me, the prototype of this kind of a relationship is the story of Chana and her form of prayer. Um, as it's explained in the Rebbe Sikh in the Kutasikh and Chelik Yitesta But this requires a person to be in a very special frame of mind where they relate to godliness, to God directly. And when a person is in that frame of mind, then they don't need the names of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, they don't need the Kavanas, the meditations of the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to have a relationship with Anhai.